Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of A Mic on the Podium, with me, Michael Seal. Before we start, I want to draw your attention to the two ways you can support the podcast financially, and, by doing so, help this podcast continue on into the future. If you'd like to make a one-off donation, I've set up a Just Giving page where you can donate as much or as little as you like. Alternatively, there are six different levels of subscription, starting from just £5 a month, over at patreon.com forward slash a mic on the podium. There you'll find two new podcast series, a monthly bulletin, group and personal Zoom meetings, articles, mini-episodes attached to this series, and even the chance to have some conducting lessons from myself. The details are in the show notes below, and I'd greatly appreciate any help you can manage. Today, I conduct a conversation with a conductor who started out his musical career as a professional trumpet player, but after winning the Donatella Flick Conducting Competition in 2004, he's gone on to be a music director in both Canada and his native France. It's a great pleasure to welcome Fabien Gabel. Fabien, wonderful to speak to you today. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. I wonder, can we go right back? I've read that you come from a very musical family. Um, how did that impact your early life, uh, especially in choices of instruments that you started? And at what age did you start? Uh, first of all, as far as I can remember, I can remember I always heard music at home. And uh, I started playing the trumpet around uh, six. And uh, I remember that uh, me, my brother, and my mom, of course, we followed my my dad for a, a series of uh, concerts with the chamber orchestra. Uh, in the time, a quite famous chamber orchestra, which uh, was a Jean-François Payard orchestra. It was one of the, the early music, uh, Baroque music uh, ensemble, but in the 70s, before the, the, before the, the period instruments, uh, yeah new stream yes and uh, and um, I, I think i was around three or four and my my dad was a specialist of piccolo trumpet and uh he was uh, called everywhere to perform the, the bach yes. uh, <laughs> concerto or um, the, the magnificat or uh, the hammer mass uh, yes. things like so uh, I always, that's the, fir- the first musical sound I can remember, it's the, the piccolo trumpet. Uh, mm. My father playing, my mom is a harp player, and um, my, my brother is a violinist, and my grandfather was a cellist at the opera house in Paris too, and uh, my, so my dad too, and uh, he was the principal trumpet there, and I played there. Mm. As as a, as a, not as a permanent musician, but I would say roughly between... Uh, 16 and uh, 30, 30 years old, uh, I played uh, on a very, 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 very regular mm. basis uh, with that orchestra. So, I mean, yeah, if your father's a piccolo trumpet player, you're not going to avoid music, are you? That's a sound that's going to go through your house um, quite clearly. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming, as you said, you know, later on from 16 onwards, you're playing in orchestras. Um, I'm assuming that right through that time, learning from the age of six through to 16, you were playing in bands or ensembles or orchestras. Um, uh, and if so, you know, were you aware of the conductor at, the, at this point? Uh, hmm. it's, a, it's a very interesting question because um, uh, unlike the U, uh, UK or the USA, in France, uh, we don't have that much, that many uh, youth orchestras. Right. Yeah. Now it's different today. In my conservatory, uh, when I was 11 years old, I started playing. There was an orchestra yeah. because of the, the students in the conservatory, there was an orchestra. And um, I remember my the first piece of music I played when I was uh, 11 was uh, Faust Ballet Music yeah. by Gounod. And uh, and that's how started my love for orchestra yes. and orchestra playing. But also before that, I had the privilege to go to the opera in the pit to attend uh, shows in the pit of the opera in Paris, uh, next to my dad. Yes, you know, it wow. was a different different time. Uh, now you have a pass and you have security everywhere. You can not you you're not allowed to enter into a a theater anymore it's, it's, it's this time is over yes and i remember i i could uh, go to 
Opéra Garnier very easily and and uh, and to visit the the the, the, the foyers and 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 the backstage and uh, I remember also uh, I could uh, I was able to watch dancers you know warming up mm. I met uh, Nureyev for instance wow, wow. also and and uh, so, so yes it's it's quite uh, fresh in my memory and and. Uh, that's probably why um, I wanted to become not a conductor, but an orchestra. My, my yes. dream was playing an orchestra, yeah. and I loved playing uh, trumpet in the orchestra. So which orchestras did you play with? And during this time, can you remember any standout conductors who you saw and thought, my God, you're, different. you're a different level to other people? Um, I'd be interested to know that. Uh, so my my first gig at the, at the opera was Electra when I was sixteen and and uh, I was playing the sixth trumpet <laughs> and, and uh, it was uh, it was very funny because the cast uh, the casting on on stage was incredible there was Gwyneth Jones yeah uh, Leonie Rizanek and uh, Zabin Haas and the conductor was Michael Schönwand. Mm. And the, 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 that was my first gig, uh, gig, and and uh, I remember at the opera I played Tosca with uh, Ozawa. Wow! Under Ozawa and and uh, Cavaradossi was uh, Domingo, mm. and uh, but in the conservatoire also we we had guest conductors and I played with Boulez, Sir Colin Davis as mm. well, and I was a member of the. the Gustav Mahler Jugend Orchestra. Yeah. So I did a tour with Bernard Haitink and, and so on, so on. And I played with Dutois, Svetlanov, this kind of people, uh, Muti. Yeah. I was very impressed by Boulez. Uh, I remember I was 19 years old the first time I played uh, under him. And then afterwards, afterwards I played uh, several times with, with him. Um, but we, we played uh, Explosant Fix, one of his piece and uh, I cannot remember the name of the piece but uh, a piece by Elliot Carter and uh, Desert by Varese and I must say all the things which were very complicated for us yeah. as musicians um, it was very easy to talk to him yes. and ask him to, to uh, explain and he had this amazing ability to explain complicated things in a, a very simple way and yes. and of course the the the, the conducting uh, was absolutely uh, you know when when you're very young and you start playing with a conductor and it's a little bit too much like uh, too much um, too much gestures yes uh, sometimes you don't necessarily understand everything and i must say that with boulez it was so so not square uh, but so clear and yes. clean and pure and 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 he was a, a very nice man. I remember my my uh, my father's generation and my grandfather because my grandfather recorded the first Pierrot Lunaire. Oh wow! With him, yes, and, and, uh, in the fifties, and uh, he used to say that Pierre Boulez could could be a tough, you know, a, a difficult man. And and of course, in France, it's in that time, it was quite difficult to, <laughs> to, to be a conductor because of discipline in all, all this aspect of uh, the, the French uh, musical life. And, uh, but when I played under him, it was so, so easy and so nice. So uh, big sense of humor. I remember him coming to Birmingham uh, because I was in the city of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra for 20 years or so. And he came once. Um, and I remember, as you said, incredible clarity when we did uh, Petrushka, Stravinsky, Cl incredible clarity of beat, um, very quick to sort things out. What I do remember vividly is his incredible ear. We did a piece of his, Notation, and he just stopped and, and pointed to one of the desks of the violas and said, I'm sure you're not playing the right notes there. You know, it's, it's just because each desk of the violas or each desk of the strings had their own part. And he just picked out on one desk. You know, he could do that. He needed to, I mean, it was his own music, but that's you know, he had staggeringly good ears. And and also, I rem remember another piece I played uh, in two different circumstances with him, um, Ritual, 
mm. in memoriam bono madonna which is a, that's a piece i adore and uh, when we played it you know the the, the brass have uh, very important parts but especially harmonically and of course when you think about the music of boulez this is atonal and and uh, the the chords are very complicated and uh, and dissonant uh, mm. but the way he, he isolated things it's it was just um chords added to all the chords etc etc and 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 he knew exactly what to how to to fix the intonation mm. and uh each chord was perfectly uh, in tune and then all to all the, the same the chords together to to do only one single yeah. chord and the sound was completely different and the way how he rehearsed that was uh, had a huge impact in, uh, even before I, I became a I become I became a conductor really yes. the, the, his way to to work with an orchestra to fix things uh, was absolutely stunning rhythmically and uh, and uh, harmonically Well, you, you've you've just sort of led me on to my next question in the fact that you know you're watching people like Boulez, Azawa, um, rehearse and conduct. At what point did you start to think, do you know I'd like to have a go at conducting? And was it something that was bubbling away in the background, or did was did you just have a lightning bolt day one day and think, do you know what, I'm going to have a go? I think. Um... Around 14, I, I remember I watched the, the, on TV the New Year's concert with Kleiber, <laughs> the, the second yeah. one. Yes, yeah. And, and, and uh, it, it was a, a kind of shock for me. I mean, because it, it was beautiful to watch. Mm. And uh, the hands, etc. And I was, oh, maybe I, it should be nice to, to, to conduct, etc. And of course, I, I, my heart went to trumpet first and yes. and it was a probably a very long unconscious uh, process but i didn't have the desire to become a conductor it's around 24 25 that trumpet wasn't enough fulfilling for me mm. in terms of repertoire i couldn't really do chamber music when i'm i'm when we are talking about chamber music, it's not a, uh, with all due respect, uh, the quint brass quintet, I didn't like that uh. Uh, very much. Uh, and I was a little bit frustrated not to, to, to play Beethoven, not to play Brahms, not to play uh, Mozart, not to play everything yeah. except the, the, but, but the 20th century mm. or in the orchestra. So um, that's why in my mind, I started to think about doing something else yes. or combine both things which is not possible no 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 um, i thought you know and i was naive and i i thought maybe I, I could do and trumpet and conducting at the same time and at the same level but no it's not it's totally impossible if you want to start conducting you have to to stop uh and playing unless you're an eminent soloist and you already have a great career like many people today yes uh, many soloists want to conduct but but um, I think that there was a key point um, when I was 26, 27, I had to take a decision. If I don't start now, it will be too late. Yes. Yeah. That's how I started. I, uh, I was playing at the opera at the time with James Conlon. And James Conlon advised me to go to, to apply for the Aspen Music Festival to study with David Zinman. And that's the only studies I did, you know, uh, yeah, as, as yeah. a conductor. And, and it was also a little bit disappointing because when I was in Aspen, because I was accepted to, to the, 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 the academy, I was accepted as a beginner. Yeah. So <laughs> I, in three months, I played, uh, in three months, I conducted, conducted six times 20 minutes. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't consider myself uh, as a... As, um, a student of someone you know i learned by myself watching other conductors etc mm. and especially in aspen uh, i played much more in the orchestra than than uh, i conducted i mean my question was going to be before we get on to conducting was 
do you look back at your times as a professional trumpet player and draw on some of those experiences now um you know things that Boulez might have said in rehearsal or things that as I was said um as much as the short time that you studied with uh Zinman for instance um is it an overall package that you're so glad that you were a professional trumpet player I'm glad to have experienced the chair yes you know uh, because that's uh, um I think Mazel said once you cannot lead if you cannot follow mm. And it's totally right because when, and especially when you're, um, when you play a wind instruments and to breathe together and to play a note, a chord, a simple chord, you know, the most, uh, a C major chord with nice sound together, all together, etc. That's extremely difficult. And the pressure, you know, when you play Petrushka when, uh, at the trumpet, when you play uh, Romeo and Juliet, Prokofiev at the trumpet. I mean, in concerts, um, you feel the pressure. And I think orchestra musicians, it, it's, that, that's one of the most demanding and difficult job. So mm. in a way you have to experience that if you want to, to, to conduct. Even if you're a pianist, you can play in an orchestra, but I think it's really necessary to, to experience uh, ensemble playing, not necessarily with the Berlin Philharmonic, that's not my point, but with a, even, I mean, with a terrible ensemble, but at least you, you, it's like chamber music, you learn how to play together, how to breathe together, together how to, to uh, pronounce a sound, to pronounce the note, how to produce a sound, and, and that's uh, gold for me, mm, yeah. that's experience, but after, Becoming a, a conductor was a, another process of yes. uh, more than a decade, almost two decades. Yeah. And it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Constant learning. Um, there was a, a big moment coming up in 2004 in your career, but I just want to quickly, before we leave Aspen and before we leave David Zinman, were there things that David Zinman taught you or you got from him during that Aspen festival? That you remember to this day? Were there any? Were there things that he was teaching to the orchestra or to the conducting students that you use? I think he he, he gave me some tricks. Yes. I know that he liked me very much. Hmm. Um, also, probably because I was coming from the orchestra too. He, he had a, he has a huge respect for orchestra musicians, and uh, um, he was always happy with what I was doing. You know, and oh. I was clear. The, the most. Uh, important thing to him was clarity. Yes. You have to be clear, especially when you are young, a beginner, you have to be uh, uh, you, to make your musicians understand you. Mm. And, uh, and that's the first point. Not to talk too much. Good. And of course, everyone is different. Mm. So uh, every, everyone has to find um, a good balance between talking and, and making music because sometimes you cannot, you have to talk to the orchestra yes. to explain things, you know, to, to uh, we're not magicians. So <laughs> in, in, in a way, so uh, we are, but we are not. <laughs> and, and, uh, so that's what he taught me. And, and uh, that's what I understood from his teaching and the, the little, the few I, I studied conducting and uh, it was very interesting, very, very interesting. And watching him also, uh, he's a very uh, clear conductor uh, and, and he has a, he's, a, he's a very nice man. So there's a lot of things around him who make things, uh, which makes uh, things uh, work. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if, he, if I'm clear enough. No, I but think you are, yeah. In any case, when you are young, it's going to be difficult. Mm. It's a fact. Yeah. When you when you have to learn, you have to learn, and uh, to 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 have the humility to accept failure. You have must have the humility to to respect the people who the people who play in the orchestra uh, for decades mm. and uh, who played with people uh, <laughs> yeah exactly years and years and years before yeah before i was born <laughs> so 
So, so that's why it's a, it's a combination of, uh, of many things. Yeah. Um, I learned, I, to be honest, I learned much more by watching rehearsals when, yes. than after in, in, uh, in Paris and, and, uh, and in London, yes. in a way. Yes. Well, let's get on to London. 2004, you enter the Donatella Flick competition and go through and win it. Um, what was the experience like? Was it your first competition? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, what was the experience like? I'm sure you remember what you conducted in the competition. And of course, what that means by winning the Donatella Flick competition, you instantly become the assistant conductor to the, to the London Symphony Orchestra for the next two years, which is a huge leap in your career, a huge step forward. So tell us about the competition and then maybe, you know, what you remember from your two years with the, with the LSO. It's, uh, it's, it was in two, yeah, 16 years ago. Mm. Um, so between, I started co uh, conducting in 2002 yes. and I won the competition in 2004. And in between, I, I've been working with uh, Court Mazur, mm. Orchestre National de France. And, but I, maybe during these two, uh, two years, two seasons, I, con I've, I conducted on here. Uh, four times wow <laughs> wow no, so 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 that's why the, the my first impression was i I'm, i freaked out mm. because because uh, when you don't conduct every day every week or every two weeks or once a month um the physical aspect of the sound is mm. not the same you have uh uh, instead of having a Rolls Royce, you have the feeling that you have to lift uh, a truck, you know, uh, <laughs> with the, the attraction, etc. Et but it's not the orchestra. It's, it wasn't the orchestra, it was me. Yes. And I remember when I did the, the Donatella Flick competition, I had no teacher. Uh, I had to study uh, by myself. So there's one Swiss conductor I've worked a little bit with, Armin Jordan is mm. the father of Philippe Jordan, the, the new music director of the, the Vienna State Opera and the Paris Opera. Yes. And his father was uh, an, an amazing man. And he invited me in, in Zurich to just to study a little bit. And this was very important because he helped me to be uh, confident. Yes. You know, um, because without experience, it was very, very, very uh, difficult for me to conduct. So I, I showed up and I did the, the first run. It was, uh, it was uh, good, I guess, uh, fifteen <laughs> minutes. Uh, but yeah, but in fifteen minutes, you just you can just see the, the the contestant and say, okay, he has the ability or not. Yes. Because in fifteen minutes, you are asked to to work, but it, it, it's uh, that's. It's uh, useless mm. in, in a way. You, you cannot work uh, with a student orchestra, uh, a, a piece they are sight reading, uh, and <laughs> you, you, you keep watching your watch and, <laughs> and, and, and looking at the watch, and, 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 uh, and it's over. So the second round, I remember it was Tchaikovsky Serenade for strings. And I remember I, I was struggling with the orchestra in, you know, this attraction, it was too heavy. Yes. But in the end, someone told me I was desperate after the second round. I said, okay, I go, I go home now. Yeah. Let's go yeah. home. <laughs> and someone, uh, and some of the contestants uh, said, you have no idea how the sound of the orchestra changed uh, during the, the, the 30 minutes of time, etc." And mm. I said, oh, really, really? And uh, apparently it was right. And I was in the, the final round with the London Symphony Orchestra. I think mentally, because I was in the fin final last round, yeah. uh, I knew that I was going to win. Oh, yeah. I said, it's for me. <laughs> this is for me because, because I'm, I'm almost a beginner. If I'm in the last round, it means that I will win the, the, the competition. And I won it. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, I remember I, I did uh, Shostakovich ninth. Now, when I think about how it happens, it, I guess the orchestra played alone <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'm, I was not very good. But um, 
I wasn't very good, but probably better than the other ones, all the yeah. other contestants. And um, but I remember I had a shock listening to the orchestra. It, it was like a, a machine, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, it was like a recording. Really, the first reading was like a recording. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was very impressed, and uh, and then I won the competition. A month later, I attended my first things uh, with uh, LSO. I think I attended the Strauss program with Heiting. Yes. Wow. I mean, that's a big leap, isn't it? To go from, as you said, not conduct conducting four times in a year, and then you win the competition and you're now on the staff with the London Symphony Orchestra. And in that wonderful position that we, I've talked about before on the podcast of being a sponge, you're now going to watch Heitink rehearse, Colin Davis rehearse, whoever was coming through the door every week and also working with the London Symphony Orchestra and speaking to those players. And all, all of a sudden there's this information flooding over you. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask was, you. I would imagine you also got given guest engagements. Um, did you accept them all? Did you take them all? And what was that like when, you, as you just said, you were, as in conducting terms, a child, you were a beginner, you were starting out. What was that like if you took on those guest conducting engagements? Well, it, wasn't, it wasn't that, uh, I, I would say it wasn't heaven mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't have that much uh, engagement, first right? of all. Right, okay. No, I was, and, and it was fine because I was still in the process of learning things. Yeah, and uh, the invitations came from uh, some random orchestra, but not famous and not good orchestra, and oh. and, and and that's that's the best school, I think, yeah. Yeah. because yeah. like the the LSO or or Birmingham, for instance, that's super easy. Mm. They, they they play so well f from the first rehearsal at the first rehearsal, first reading. It's uh, it's uh, not immaculate, but, but almost that. Um, that uh, it's much more difficult to work with very bad orchestras. Yes. I say, and how you learn. Well, it's how like you, you, it's like you said about the Rolls Royce. You know, you said um, you. Uh, driving the LSO or conducting the LSO is like driving a Rolls Royce. But to become a better driver, you need to drive an old Citroen or an old Morris car from the 1970s, which is almost falling apart. You know, and learn to drive. Um, it's and of course it's lovely to get back in the Rolls Royce every now and again. Yeah, but sometimes, mm. sometimes, yeah, sometimes once a year, it's nice to have a, a famous orchestra or, a, a, or famous or not, but very good orchestra. And uh, that was my pinnacle. You, you know, every year, it's, oh, I will conduct that orchestra once yes. a year. The rest of the time, it's bad, but at least I can improve things i can make things uh, go better work work better and um so i didn't have that much work during my time with the, the lso but i learned uh, of course watching bernard Heiting and it was absolutely uh, an, an example uh, which is difficult to follow because he he, he has uh, such an attaching personality and, and of course um, uh, being 30, 31 it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily work you know yes. when you try to imitate but that's also how I learned things I had to be myself and it took me years mm. to, to learn that because I was very shy too yeah. let's not forget that I played under these people I played with Heiting, Colin Davis as a trumpet player, so these people were um, gods to me. Yeah, yeah. And of course, suddenly I become their assistant for one series. Uh, I was, I, I wasn't in my element. I must say, mm. I wasn't in my element. I was so, uh, so, I was so impressed, and I think maybe they, they felt that. But Colin Davis was adorable, also, and and uh, I had the feeling that after one. Uh, after a rehearsal that uh, I was better than <laughs> than him because he asked me so many questions. Is it good? What, I'm doing good here or here. Am I clear enough? I mean, he... so I said, you know, yes, you were uh, absolutely uh, amazing, etc. Uh, it works very well. And at the end, uh, 
he made me feel very uh, very very strong stronger than him yes and yeah. uh, that was something to see him to watch him conducting uh, in concert he was like a lion outside uh, his cage <laughs> really and and uh, i remember uh, beethoven fifth you know today when we have other stand standards you know what i mean with yes uh, instrument ensemble etc which is not necessarily my culture mm. my culture is more Colin Davis or Karayan and this kind of uh, vision yes and I must say I it, I was blown away by the the, the, the energy and, and the quality of the of the performance mm. Mm. really 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 it was uh, stunning I was going to ask a quick question about, um, well, two things really. I mean, it's sort of linked in with what you've just said. Firstly, uh, Karina Kanalakis said to me that when she was speaking to Simon Rattle about conducting, at one point Simon Rattle said to her, look, you have to stop being nervous around me. You have to just speak to me like another human being. So, you know, what, uh, did was there a point during those two years when you realised, hey, the best, I'm going to get the best out of this if I just try not to be in so nervous when I speak to Heitink or to Sir Colin Davis. And the other thing is, having spoken to other conductors, after winning the competition, they talked about aftercare. Uh, what they meant by that was, did you have a, a manager who was helping you through this period no. um, or somebody from the London Symphony Orchestra who was helping you through this period and saying to you, you know, you should say yes to this and no to that? Um, no. No, no, not oh, at okay. all. Okay, right. Not so you, you were on your own. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it came. All this came after me. Yeah. All the conductors who won after got a management. Me, I had nothing. So I met my first manager. Uh, I would say two years after in France, oh. and uh, uh, and and uh, that's how it really started. Yes. Mm. Because instead of having four engagements a year, I had seven. <laughs> and the next year, I had, um, I would say, nine or yeah. etc. etc. So that's how you build up. And and I'm and I'm grateful for that because today, you know, I'm 45. I can I still consider myself as a young conductor, you know. But today, as you know, conductors are younger and younger. Yes. And of course, they, they, that's great. They have managements, but sometimes uh, they have too much mm. to do, too, too many orchestras. So the problem doesn't come from the, the invitation, but the repertoire. Sometimes you have uh, you don't have time to learn yes. repertoire. I remember the, the, the time where I, I had uh, six months <laughs> to to learn a Tchaikovsky symphony. It's over, yeah. and and I don't complain. I don't want to complain. At all, no. I'm I'm very happy with my my life and and uh, with my career in in in, in a way, but uh, it takes time. Conducting takes time. Yes. Well, we'll come back to learning and studying later on with a question I always ask. Um, just to go back a step, did you at any point stop being nervous talking to Sir Colin Davis or to Bernard Heitink? Um, or was that all? No, or no? <laughs> you're shaking your head and going no. Um, do you look back and think I wished I'd been able to just sit down with them and ask some things more than I did? I don't know. I think I, I grew up and uh, I had some answers because I, I thought about. Yeah, uh, and figured it out. Yeah, and and also I met all the people too. Yeah. And uh, the la I remember the last time I I, I saw uh, Bernard Heitink was in uh, for it was for his 80th birthday in Amsterdam and I attended a concert and uh, um, I came to his room after and say uh, and say hello and congratulations it was a great concert and and it was an amazing concert mm. that I was like a, a teenager really. <laughs> I, he, he, he still was a god, yeah. and he still is. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, 
he stopped conducting, he's still one of my heroes, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm sure if I see him today, I would be the same. Mm. Yeah. That's human nature, you know. We we cannot change things, you know. Uh, sometimes, and and uh, and I think it's good like this because I hope one day I I will have. 10% of his talent. Mm, mm. It's funny. I worked with Simon Rattle recently. Um, I did some rehearsals for him. And I, yeah, I, I have almost exactly the same feeling, you know, that I did rehearsals for him. Uh, and, but because he was the first, he was the person who gave me my job when I was 21 and I played for him and he was the conductor of the CBSO and then went on to the Berlin Philharmonic and everything else, you know, just speaking to him one-to-one -one about how I'd rehearse the orchestra was still a nerve-wracking experience. It shouldn't yeah. be. I've known him for 29 years, but it, it still is. You know, you, we call each other by our first names and it's all, you know, all very fine, but it's still a nerve-wracking experience. I'm hoping to get him on here and it'll still be a nerve-wracking experience, partly, you know, doing an interview with him. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes you, even though you want to break down those barriers to get into their minds and their, and their, brains and their intellect sometimes it's tricky it's difficult um and, and also i would say uh Heiting and colin davis they are and from another generation too hmm. uh, and then that's the i would say the the uh, the golden generation you yes. know the, the generation of of boulez ozawa abado etc and even i include the the the, the, the older ones like schulte etc so the, the, of course, the, the, it was another time, and uh, that's another generation, and and uh, I have to accept that, and I have no problem with that to respect mm. these giants. Yeah, to respect. I, I, it's not a question of respect, but uh, to have this nervosity in front of them, mm. it's uh, it's fine to me. Yeah. So you're out into the big wide world. You've done your two years. You've now got some management in in uh, France. Uh, I want to touch on two things. Um, First of all, guest conducting. The, the beginning was a lot of guest conducting. Uh, I have called it the hamster wheel. You know, the hamster, the wheel that the hamster mm. runs around. The reason why is because hamsters like running on the wheel, but sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes it's difficult to get off. Um, how was guest conducting? Uh, did you enjoy it? Did you always have good experiences, or, or or if you had a bad one, how did you deal with it in your mind and? Um, and then we're going to go on and talk about your two orchestras that you're music director of now, one in Canada, one in France, um, and what maybe the differences are between the two, uh, the two orchestras. Oh. So first of all, uh, guest conducting, I think it's a big part of our club uh, and, and it's nice to, to meet uh, new people, but also I cherish the, 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 the fact to go back to play mm. because if you do all the orchestra on earth and at the end there's no link uh, no no uh, i don't get the point yeah. uh, you're talking about cbs so uh, i know that i have my third engagement with them next yeah. season because apparently they liked me and i, I loved them loved working with with the orchestra too so so it makes things interesting because they start to know me they remember me and then uh, don't know what to expect, but at least there, there's a, in terms of communication, it's yeah. different. You know, I knew I knew some faces, and and uh, it's it makes things more human. Mm. Yeah, it, and yeah. and it's and it's so good to 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 meet to to have a chat with some someone from the orchestra, to have a beer, I don't know, to have a coffee, or to yeah. to share something. You know, it's uh, it's yeah. not about. Um, having a wall and and uh, the conductor goes goes back to the hotel and and uh, it's a bit boring to me to me I know that, that some people are maybe like this but so that, that's why most of the time I'm, I'm everywhere I go I'm now I'm reinvited yeah. but the beginning you have to to try orchestras and, yes. and if you if uh, I never had bad experiences maybe two times that's it but uh, the bad experience in terms it's it wasn't musical it was yeah. more uh, about um, relationship you know yes. or, or chemistry human chemistry it happens and and uh, and we are not machines or robots you know 
But if it doesn't happen for musical reasons, okay, fine. If it had happened for uh, um, musical reasons, uh, I would have tried to understand why. Yes. Well, as you said, sometimes it's, you know, I, I think you're right. I think most of the bad experiences you have are because of personality clashes between yourself and a, and a principal player or somebody who just wants to pick a fight or, you know, maybe the, the, sometimes, as you said, there is just no chemistry in the room. No, um, I, I, never had, I, I never had any fights. No, uh, not no, just lack of chemistry with... Uh, it's very interesting because most of the time, that's the worst orchestras in uh, terms of, of quality because when you point out something... Of course, you, you, you have to face uh, a dilemma. Sometimes you, when you say you have to correct things on to work on something, it means that the group of people in front of you are not good enough or, mm. of, or well pre or prepared enough or they don't want to, etc. It, <laughs> it, it happens. It, mm. it, these kind of things happen. So... Yeah, it happened to me maybe two, uh, two, two twice, three times. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I cannot complain. Uh, but in the, in the, I remember the beginning, maybe a few times I wasn't good enough. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't good enough, and and uh, I, I was aware that I should have been better. And uh, and I would say that uh, was the best lessons yeah. I've ever had, because. Uh, you look at yourself in a mirror and you say, what have you done? Why, why, it, why it doesn't work? It, it's not because of the orchestra, it's because yeah. of you. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's a good, uh, sometimes it's good because you, you have to analyze yourself mm. and, and, and to find a solution mm. for the future. And it happened to me, uh, I would say, uh, yes, 10 years ago or, or 11 years ago. And yeah. it helped me to, build up something uh, stronger yeah. with my yeah. personality with my music making etc so so when i was talking about humility uh, uh, it's not about uh, when <laughs> the conductor look at himself or herself in the mirror it's not about uh, you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or makeup or it's yeah. about personality what's wrong yeah, what was wrong it's not vanity it's looking inside and oh, finding yeah. out what's yeah Having talked about a lack of chemistry, there's obviously a chemistry there with the Orchestra Symphonique de Quebec and the Orchestra Francais de Jeune. Um, what's it like working with those? And I, I, a particular question about Quebec. Um, do they, because I don't know, I've never conducted there or I've never conducted in the US or North America. Do they have a sort of North American approach in Quebec or are they more European? What sort of orchestra are they? And, and what are your experiences between the two? Huh. I, I would say they have both because yes. they have the, the um, qualities of, of American orchestras I mean it's very pro well yeah. prepared and and quick yes yeah uh, but m many people uh, in Quebec studied also either in the US or in Europe yeah yeah it's francophone and uh, so many people come to Paris too or to New York City yeah so it's a, there's an interesting mix. For example, when you, my principal oboe is a student of Heinz Holliger, and and uh, and also he studied in Paris, and his sound is probably the only American oboist who has a German sound. I mean, yeah. because when you compare the schools, it's completely different. Yeah. And uh, so that's it was uh, his playing is much more familiar to me than another school you know in 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 the us but i i i must say that first of all the ensemble is we we only had uh, we only have 61 musicians so it's not that big but it's not that small too so the the biggest challenge for me was to 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 work on the repertoire not the grand repertoire but to add new repertoire not not necessarily new new uh, contemporary music but also uh, i mean everything I mean, English music, uh, 
French music. They played French music, but not everything. Uh, not everything. German music. I mean, we tried to do as much as possible. And me in eight years, because I finished now. I'm not music director okay. anymore. Uh, I conducted around 250 different pieces in eight years. Only me. So it means that the orchestra played also uh, with the guest conductors all the pieces. So it's a huge amount of, uh, of uh, music. And I would say it's a combi combination between, uh, yes, US orchestras and, and UK orchestras because they, okay. are, they are pretty quick. So, uh, but in terms of sound, uh, it's, it's difficult to say. Uh, it's, it's more Amer American, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the brass, the brass conception, it's American, definitely American. You mentioned earlier that you used to have six months to learn a Tchaikovsky symphony or um, and more time. And as you, people's careers progress, one has less and less time to learn a score. How do you go about learning a score? Do you have a set method? And the other thing I ask, because all the conducting geeks and students like, like this bit of the podcast, do you mark your scores? Do you write things in? Do you use different colors? Um, how, do you have a system you always use? Um, how do you go about learning a new score? So, of course, I had time uh, to learn scores, but also I was slower. My, my brain was slower, you know, to learn new scores. So today I go much faster. And uh, because uh, when, I, when I, I look at this, score it um, things comes quickly to my mind you know i point out things quite very fast now and uh, and after almost yes, 20 years of conducting i have a lot of repertoire so mm. which means i have all brahms uh, all schumann all beethoven i mean the tchaikovsky um so i would say the most difficult thing is the new piece for a new piece um I don't know how I, I could phrase that when I how I learned. First of all, yes, I use colors, mm. and uh, I first of all I read the music through the score, and uh, and I'm trying to find the the, the form, the shape, yes. and then I'm I'm going just faster. You know, I do vertical and horizontally things, mm. and I'm trying to I'm playing the piano so. Uh, I sat on the piano and, and and harmonically, especially when that's something I don't know, uh, I'm trying to to understand harmonies and, and to learn them. And, uh, and that's it. But I tried also to organize um, a few months ahead yeah. what I have to, to study. For instance, in, during summertime, I have more time. So... I know exactly what I'm going to study. I re an example, I had to, to, to conduct um, Mahler, Das Lied von der Erde. And, and, and to me, that's extremely difficult. Yeah, yeah. And, but also to understand, you know, especially, especially the, the last movement. And uh, I had to conduct the piece in September. I started six months earlier, but little by little, it's not a, you don't have to, to learn uh, um, I don't know, uh, 600 pages uh, in three weeks. You can take your time. It's a question of, of organization. Mm. And also it depends on, on the, your acquaintance with the music. Uh, yeah. The luxury today for me is to conduct what I want to conduct. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I'm asked to conduct some repertoire, which I don't like, I said, I'm sorry. Or either I decline uh, the, the invitation or... I asked to change the repertoire because uh, I imme immediately know that um, it won't fit. You know, it happens. Uh, it happens quite often when you at the beginning. And I remember I'm not a big Sibelius fan hmm. because I'm more Latin probably. <laughs> but I have to conduct. I I, I have to con I had to conduct uh, with the the, the LPO um, Sibelius fifth. Yeah. And I fell in love with the symphony. Yes. Yeah. And at the beginning, I, to me, it was like uh, I had no idea of where I was, what I had to do, etc. And I discovered uh, an amazing world. Mm. And uh, 
but it took me time, but I, I studied with sequences, not to be disgusted, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like cooking, you know, sometimes if you eat too much things, you're, it's exactly the same thing with music. When it, it takes time sometimes to, to, to learn uh, new languages, new, yeah. new, uh, new harmonic language, new repertoire. And that's what I'm doing. Um, the new pieces I have to study now it's a different time, you know, with COVID. So, uh, but uh, an opera, for example, uh, if I have to do a new opera, uh, uh, it, it takes, I start six, seven, even a year before. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I like a, a, to know what I'm going to conduct in advance long enough so that I can spend, as you said, anywhere between six and 12 months learning it, marking it up, and then I might put it aside and look at something else exactly. and, then, and then come back. Um, and then in the week before, then, you know, you're back in again and you so But it also gives you time to do some research about when the music was written, uh, how it was written, what was going on in the world at the time yeah. it was written. All that sort of um, research needs to be done. So, yeah, that's the luxury, isn't it? If you've got the luxury of time to get the music really into you, absorbed into you over 12 months, well, then that's perfect. My humble advice um, is to, when you don't have too many concerts and you have a lot of free time, the, the young musicians, they should learn that repertoire, you know, all the basics of you know, the classical music and to have a list. And, uh, and if you don't conduct for three months or four or five months, you, you have a lot of time to, to learn in three, four months the four Brahms symphonies. Yes, yeah. At least technically, after to have a conception, it's different. You, the conception also comes during uh, rehearsals because it depends on the orchestra. It depends on the whole. Yeah. You know, having a conception, if you have the worst uh, concert hall and the worst orchestra, your conception, you have to forget it. Yeah. You have to, you have to, to be uh, innovative. Mm. That's true. So that's why it, when you have time, you have to use that time to, to, to build your repertoire. I think it's, it's, it's common sense. Fabian, it's 10 questions time, and I shall start with what sound or noise do you love and what sound or noise do you hate? The sound I love, that's my, my kids laughing. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, makes, it makes my day. Yeah. Uh, uh, because I have three boys, so very young, so it's, it's, it's very funny sometimes. <laughs> the sound I hate, uh, I could have said the, the, the clock in the morning, but no, that's the, the, the police uh, siren. Um, siren, the, yeah. The, Police siren, right. yeah. Police, police, police or fire, fire, uh, uh, fireman uh, siren, yeah. It's too, it's very loud, and especially in the US, it's uh, it's super loud. If you had twenty four hours free, what would you spend it doing? Hmm. Museum. Uh, any any particular? Are you an art um, art gallery or a or are you general museum person? Usually, fine arts, paint, uh, painting. I love painting, but um, I mean any kinds of museum. Yeah, and that's that's the, the thing about guest conducting is that you know if you uh, go around the world and conduct in various places, there's an awful lot of places to visit on a day off. Museums, cathedrals, walking in the forests. It's your choice, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, it's also a luxury to have that time for ourselves. Who would be a favorite conductor of yesteryear? Probably uh, Karajan mm -hmm. and uh, Kalbum, for sure. Kalbum, yeah. He's a name that's not come up on here before. Kalbum, yeah. um, because I, I love everything he, he, he did, you know, with Strauss and, and, uh, and, uh, and um, also Beethoven, all that repertoire. But uh, uh, th there's a French, uh, Belgium French conductor I would have loved to, to meet, uh, André Cluitens. Oh. He was a phenomenal uh, conductor for uh, Ravel. Yeah. 
one of the the best recordings I, I know uh, are with him, and apparently uh, he was a, a super nice man. But I would say uh, these uh, three uh, conductors may, may probably fool Wengler, but I don't know. Probably to uh, uh, beat him, yeah. it would have been fun to to to, to meet him yes. with his sense of humor. I mean, a part is craft. Uh, the, the the it would have been fun to to meet this uh, this musician. And who would be a favorite current conductor? Huh. Difficult because I met many of um, many of them. So. Yeah. It's, you don't already. want to upset them, no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Probably the the ones I've never met. I like very much uh, Manfred Honeck, mm. and I've never met him, and uh, it, it would would be a uh, very uh, interesting. Well, I can I can tell you he is very interesting because I've interviewed him for this podcast, uh, yeah. and he's a lovely man, and I like you really. I enjoyed playing for him. I really enjoyed playing for him. No, so that's why it's it's a uh, Manfred Honeck certainly. Uh, who else for the the young hmm. my generation? <laughs> <laughs> There's an Italian uh, young Italian conductor, Riccardo Minazzi. Hmm. Um, more baroque and classical music, but very interesting and uh, and that's it. I mean, I, I, I'm open to to have a drink with anyone. Um, well, uh, uh, we'll come back to having a drink. Question number ten: um, <laughs> What is the hardest work you have ever conducted? It's really difficult to say. You, it depends if it's technical or uh, physically. I I would say that Beethoven is always difficult. I find Beethoven very difficult. Hmm. Because also because it's not uh, my uh, culture, you mm. know. I didn't really grow up with that repertoire. Mm. Uh, I I got along with Beethoven later in my life, but it's still difficult. I, I think it's difficult to achieve and and to conduct. It's tiring. It's demanding. Mm. Uh, one of the most difficult things I've conducting conducted, uh, I would say, it's uh, Berlioz's Romeo and Juliet mm. because it's super long. And uh, it's it's a uh, massive, you know. I think it's a it's a masterpiece, and but it's difficult because some most of the times the musicians are not not really convinced because it's long, and yeah. that's all the the uh, uh, weird aspect of Berlioz music. And and uh, when you don't study the score, you don't get it, you know. Mm. Sometimes. So I would say, but yes, maybe Berlioz, uh, Romeo and Juliet, it was very, very demanding. And some, I did an opera, which was, I found it uh, quite difficult technically, but it depends also on the on the stage, staging and, and the singers. Um, Manon by um, Massenet. Yeah. yeah. Massenet. It's because it's, um, it's, it's like pushing in a way. It's... Uh, you have to serve the singers, and it moves. It moves a lot. It moves a lot. I, I found it. Uh, I found it was difficult. Hmm. It's funny you're talking about Berlioz. That's why I love him. This craziness, um, how the music can suddenly spin quickly to something you just think, well, "How weird is that?" That's why I love his music. But yeah, I think you're right. With some of those works, if you're just playing in an orchestra. Uh, it's tough to understand, but if you're conducting it and you have the score in front of you, you can see yeah. how it works. Yeah, yeah, but with, which is um, challenging. He was born in uh, 1803 and died in 69, and even in 2021, we found his music. We find this music very his music very difficult. Mm, yeah. so it means something and. Uh, and uh, he's this kind of composer. I had so much compassion for him yeah. because when you read his memoirs and, and etc., uh, this guy, it, his life was a constant fight against yes. the system to to make uh, music uh, to make to make his music uh, live. You know, and um, 
that's why I have a lot of compassion for for Berlioz, and I like to defend his music. But it's difficult because he's uh, not that often played in a way, except Symphonie Fantastique mm. and and few uh, few other overtures. But the symphonies, the rest, even our Harold in Italy is not that often played. And Romeo and Juliet, it's too, it's so big and so long, two hours without a break, because you have to do that without a break. Yeah, yeah, that's very challenging. Yeah. When traveling abroad to conduct, what item could you not leave home without? Uh, so not my schools. Um, a book. A book, yeah. yeah. We spend a lot of time alone in hotel rooms or in restaurants, especially, unless you know people when you guest conduct. A book is something I couldn't be without in a restaurant. No, a book. No, that's, uh, I always have, even if I don't read it, <laughs> or if I don't have the time, uh, or if, if I'm exhausted, I don't want to open a book. I always have a, a book in my uh, in my bag. What is the one thing you would change about being a conductor? Airport <laughs> and, and planes. Yeah, because it's it's not a pleasure. It's not no. a no. It's not a uh, it's a nightmare to to travel these days. So yeah. But, uh, I'm, that's what I would avoid. It's a popular answer. <laughs> yeah. Can I add something? So, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes planning to do some to, to 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 work on schedules, orchestra schedule. Sorry, I missed the start of that because of an internet glitch. What? Did, uh... No, no. Sometimes we are asked to send the schedule, the rehearsal schedule. Sometimes I I hate to do that because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, during after the first rehearsal, if I may need more time for a piece or not but sometimes um, every time we are asked to to do a, a planning you know to to plan the rehearsal and it's very 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 demanding in a way because sometimes oh i don't have enough time for that piece and i have too much time but oh but someone is missing so that's an aspect i don't like do you know what that's i think you're the first person to mention that and personally i couldn't agree with you more you know you could probably well no actually you can easily do the first day of a rehearsal you can say look I'm probably going to spend this much time on the symphony this much time on the overture fine but the day two the second day of rehearsal it should be totally dependent on how day one went and they still want to know well, how long how long are you going to spend on the symphony on day two I don't know, because day one might be brilliant. It might be awful. Who knows? Um, but they still, because of union rules and somebody who is in this piece and not in that piece, well, you know, where the harp might be only in one piece. They want to know when they're going to be needed. I understand that. But I would love the ability to just now and again say, well, I don't know. And <laughs> I don't know. Especially in the US, sometimes I'm asked a year in advance if I already had in mind uh, a, a schedule. Yeah. And of course, they have a deadline to submit the schedule to the orchestra. So usually, I use the like I go to the deadline, but it's uh, it's it's difficult to say. Yeah, especially when an orchestra doesn't know a piece. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and they don't know you, and they don't know a piece. You know, it's difficult. Brilliant answer. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you very much. Um, where are we now? Number nine, nearly there. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I have no idea. <laughs> I have well, no idea. Speaking of somebody like myself who has been a player and then a conductor, we've already done two jobs. I know it's in the same industry. I could say I could say I could tell you uh, what kind of job I would not like to do. But mm. uh, like uh, probably a politician or yeah. uh, or uh, to I would I would hate to work in finance <laughs> uh, etc but but I cannot say that uh, I, I have no idea honestly I have no idea uh, well that's fine because the other reason is that you know you grew up in a family and it's not just your mother and your father, but, but going back through your aunts and uncles, and you grew up in a family that have been musicians. It's yeah. you know, th therefore you grew up as a child, really not knowing anything else. 
Um, and I think the people who grew up in those sort of families find this question very difficult to answer because um, it, it was almost expected of you, possibly, to be another mm. musician. Um, mm. You know, there's no history of you going into finance or politics or university academic teaching or whatever. Um, maybe something really, uh, maybe a doctor or something like that, but I'm not sure I, I could have, uh, uh, I could stand, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 a surgeon to, to see some, to, to see blood uh, everywhere. I could do that. So <laughs> I, I have no idea, honestly. If the world were to end tonight, what would be your choice of final meal and drink? Uh, maybe, maybe not a meal, but drink for sure. Wine. <laughs> wine? Yeah. Tons of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, meals, I don't know. Maybe, uh, no, on, only drinks. Only drinks to forget that, <laughs> to be drink, drunk enough to forget, to forget that's, that's the end of the world. Well, it, therefore, when you come to Birmingham next season, uh, I, which is where I live, I shall come into town and I shall buy us some red wine and we shall sit and have another oh, yeah. chat. Um, and uh, it'll be lovely, lovely to meet up with you. It's been lovely to chat with you, Fabian. And as I said, uh, I hope to see you next season uh, and share some wine with you. With a great pleasure, definitely. Thank you very much. A Mic on the Podium was devised and produced by Michael Seal with music by Ben Dawson. Next time, I chat with an American conductor who started out studying and being an assistant conductor back home in the US, but has since gone on to have a career all across the world. He currently spends a lot of his time travelling between the two orchestras he's the chief conductor of, one of them in Spain and the other in Sweden. But until then, bye-bye.